Well, the political battles surrounding the convoy and blockade of Parliament Hill over the weekend continued today after a weekend that brought condemnation for the actions of some protesters, including what Ottawa police called the desecration of the National War Memorial, the Terry Fox statue, threatening illegal and intimidating behavior towards police and other city workers and other acts. Well, the Conservatives are still trying to define that there are some bad apples in this group, but that overall, the aims of the protest are noble. Uh, while condemning some of what happened over the weekend. The Liberals, meanwhile, the Prime Minister today unequivocal about not giving in to any demands of this protest and not meeting with protesters either. Here's an exchange today in the House of Commons between Aaron Hotul, who was there, and Prime Minister Trudeau with COVID, of course, who was speaking remotely. Canadian manufacturers, the Federation of Independent Business, the Chamber of Commerce, the Conservative opposition, thousands of truckers for over a month have proposed solutions to the trucking shortage in Canada and the supply chain crisis, Mr. Speaker. The Prime Minister has ignored this crisis, and even worse, he calls names for people that are raising these very issues. So, Mr. Speaker, my question is simple. Will the Prime Minister move past the division and agree to meet with some of the truckers impacted by his federal regulations. The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, the science is very clear. The best way through this pandemic is to get people vaccinated. That's how we end the disruptions to our supply chains caused by this global pandemic. That's how we get back to the things we love to do. That's why we've been unequivocal on the need to get vaccinated. And great news, Canadians across the country stepped up. Almost 90% of Canadians are vaccinated, including almost 90% of truckers, because we know that the biggest disruption to our supply chains happens uh, when people catch COVID. That's why vaccinations are the way through it, and we're going to continue to be unequivocal about that. So Aaron O'Toole and the Prime Minister, they're essentially having separate conversations about what's happening. And really, no end in sight, one would think, uh, to that blockade, because the demands are a bit difficult to understand. And certainly, uh, the Prime Minister is in no mood to meet even any of them. Uh, and, you know, not can't necessarily blame him from where he sits. The question on many minds tonight then, what now? Will the disruption continue for how long? And what impact will the events of the past week, including this weekend, have on this country going forward? Joining me now is investigative journalist Justin Ling, who's been following the convoy and its organizers and covering events in Ottawa. Justin, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, maybe start off with just a sense. I mean, I know you were there this weekend. I saw your tweets. I read your articles. And, and I just wanted to get a sense of what what really stood out about what you witnessed uh, in Ottawa over the weekend compared to other other protests you've been to in the past. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the most jarring thing is the disconnect between their stated objective, at least what they've been saying in some media interviews, and what was very clearly the, you know, the raison death for having the protest. Uh, you know, if you read some of the coverage, if you follow the press conference they held on, on Sunday that was only for journalists that they had handpicked, they said, you know, this is about vaccine mandates. This is about specifically vaccine mandates for truckers, but also across the board, vaccine mandates to go to restaurants, to bars, uh, to work in the federal public service, to catch a flight, so on and so forth. But you walk around the protest grounds in Ottawa, you walk through the thicket of trucks and, and vans and, and cars, and it's very clear that there is an intense vaccine skepticism, if not outright vaccine hostility in this crowd. This crowd is made up of a ton of anti-vaxxers. You cannot get away from that. I don't doubt 
There are some people in that crowd who are vaccinated, who just oppose the mandates. But I think they're a minority. You know, there at one point was someone on stage who looked around and said, who here has two shots of the vaccine? And not a peep from the audience. I saw one person gingerly raise their hand and then put it right back down. So this is not a crowd that is representative of the country. You know, 86% of the country is fully vaccinated. This crowd is the 14% that's not. And I think more specifically, they're a subset of that 14%. I think very specifically, there are probably a really great cross-section of people who voted for Maxime Bernier in the last federal election. By a rough count, I think there was probably 10,000 people there on Saturday. Uh, we know about, uh, what is it, 560,000 people voted for, no, sorry, 850,000 people voted for Bernier in the last federal election. I think this is definitely a subset of that crew. So who's in control and what do they want? Because it seems very confusing. I mean, I think right now no one is in control. You know, we know the people responsible for putting this together. It's a group called Canada Unity. Canada Unity was started by one guy and guided by the name of James Bowder, who for the last uh, couple of years has been functionally radicalized against Justin Trudeau, has written repeatedly on his Facebook that Justin Trudeau ought to be arrested and tried for treason. He has expressed support for the QAnon conspiracy theory. He has written that COVID-19 is a scam and a pandemic. He believes in all sorts of ludicrous conspiracy theories. He started this convoy rallying around a document that he says will give his group, uh, representatives supposedly of the people of Canada, who give his group the authority to govern the country and abolish vaccine mandates with the Senate of Canada and the Governor General of Canada. So, you know, he has said, and people who are around him have said, that this document, this memorandum of understanding that he's bringing to Ottawa, will functionally force Trudeau from power and force the Governor General to dissolve Parliament. Obviously, this stuff's wacky. Some of the other protesters around him or some of the other organizers around him uh, have been affiliated in the past with Soldiers of Odin, a hate group. Others have uh, expressed wildly Islamophobic conspiracy theories. Uh, One of them has peddled in the uh, theory of white genocide uh, that says that uh, the the non-white people are are diluting the political power of the white uh, people of Canada. You know, wildly racist conspiracy theory. Um, these are not great folks. These folks are a fringe minority of the country, and they're the ones who dreamed up this whole protest. They're the ones who collected the money. They're the ones who organized the route, uh, and they're the ones who brought people to Ottawa. So. I don't know that the majority of people in the in the audience are fully aware of that. I don't know that all of them are, are themselves uh, ascribers to these uh, deranged beliefs. But I, I think at the very least, this rally is, is really um, turning on the idea that vaccines are, are dangerous and ought not to be encouraged. We heard reports over the weekend, obviously read reports over the weekend of some of the more uh, unfortunate behavior, you know, intimidation of workers at a homeless shelter, uh, refusing to wear masks, shutting down a popular mall, sending everyone home, including all the workers at the mall. They're trying to make a living, of course, the statue of Terry Fox. How much was that the norm and how much was that the usual bad behavior that you see sometimes at these things? Well, I think for starters, if you are at a protest and somebody is comfortable enough showing up with a Nazi flag with a swastika on it, if someone feels comfortable showing up with a Confederate flag or scrawling um, the SS logo uh, on on their placard, 
I think if, if that's your protest, maybe you should question why you're there, why you're there, you know, why someone would feel comfortable bringing that uh, sort of thing to your, to your rally. Um, but I think it's fair to say that the majority of folks in that crowd would never uh, you know, carry a Nazi flag, would never identify with it, and were probably horrified to see it. I 100% believe that. That being said, a whole bunch of, of less obscene but still worrying signs and symbols and, and actions were, were pretty omnipresent. Uh, it was absolutely the case that these people went into restaurants, coffee shops, uh, malls uh, without their masks on in violation of uh, provincial mask rules and subjected folks who were working at those hotels, restaurants and so on um, to, to abuse when they tried to get people to put their masks on. I know this happened several times around the city. Uh, the people who showed up for these for these protests were incredibly rude and disrespectful and unpleasant to to these frontline uh, workers. Uh, beyond that, a, lot, a ton of signs carried ridiculous slogans like Trudeau for treason, Trudeau for Gitmo, um, you know, Trudeau is an assassin for pushing vaccines, vaccines equal genocide. I saw people wearing yellow stars of David, uh, indicative of, of prisoners um, in, in the concentration camps of Nazi Germany because they were unvaccinated, likening themselves to the Jews. <laughs> Unbelievably offensive stuff. And this was everywhere. And this wasn't being condemned by the other protesters. They were being vilified. I saw one guy with a shirt that said pure blood because he was unvaccinated, getting compliments from the crowd over his sweaters. So, it, you know, I, I 100% you know, agree with the protesters when they say that the Nazi flags and the Confederate flags were a tiny minority of the crowd. That is true. But a whole bunch of other offensive stuff was pretty much the norm. The way you've described it, it, it you know, you talked about a credibility bump, though, nonetheless. How, how do you explain that? I mean, I think they've gotten a credibility bump because prominent politicians have tripped over themselves to express solidarity with this movement. I mean, clearly, uh, Aaron O'Toole was looking to wrap himself in the understandable sort of um, good optics of supporting truckers and and, and frontline essential workers. Um, you've seen a, a gamut of other politicians from Pierre Polyev, a likely challenger for the leadership of the Conservative Party, Deputy Leader um, Candace Bergen. Uh, you've seen a ton of MPs come out um, in support of this protest. And then also you know, a ton of fringe politicians from Maxime Bernier um, to Randy Hillier, uh, leader of uh, a member of provincial parliament in Ontario, uh, Derek Sloan, the former MP, um, Jim Carrey Hallows, who leads his own party now. All these people have been tripping over themselves to try and endorse this movement and kind of harness that that you know, raw anger and frustration, and and I think more crucially, try to tap into that fundraising base, which has managed to pull in some eight million dollars in a matter of weeks. Um, so the the credibility has come from the people uh, with prominent positions who have uh, expressed support for this movement. I think you're going to see that come to an end as increasingly uh, this movement uh, you know, shows its true colors, as more of these symbols and uh, offensive images come to light, as more of them go into shops and bars and restaurants, which have just reopened today in Ontario, um, to harass staff who, who try to get them to wear masks. Uh, I think the politicians, the mainstream politicians anyway, who've identified with this movement were unbelievably stupid to do so. And I think there's no better example than Michael Cooper, conservative MP, who wound up on the Hill uh, talking with demonstrators uh, and was photographed uh, just in front of an upside down Canadian flag with a swastika drawn on it. I guarantee you he didn't know what was there, but I also promise you he saw a lot 
of other horrible things out of his walk up and yet still decided to go into that crowd, still decided to talk with the protesters and still decided to express solidarity and support with them. I'm speaking with freelance investigative journalist Justin Ling about his coverage of the convoy and blockade in Ottawa ongoing. Now, as you've mentioned, Justin, with the protest leadership unclear, demands now unruly and for the most part unrealistic, how and when does this end? We don't know. We we genuinely don't. It, it, is a, it is an open question, and I'm curious to see the answer to it. Uh, a ton of people who came to town and to Ottawa over the weekend were just there for the weekend. I heard one guy say that uh, he had gotten the Friday off work and decided that this was a sign from God that he had to go. Uh, I heard some people uh, had come up uh, just for the weekend, booked hotels around the city. Many of the hotels were full, uh, and they cleared out come Sunday, Monday. Uh, the hotels went pretty much empty uh, today. So a ton of these people have already gone. Some of them might come back next weekend and for weekends to come, but I think realistically, a lot of those folks are not going to keep uh, coming to help occupy uh, the, you know, the capital region. Um, there are a ton of truckers and other long haulers who are going to, who say they're going to stay downtown uh, as long as it takes uh, until all the vaccine mandates are gone, until Justin Trudeau is removed from power. I don't know what happens when they don't get their way. I mean, they're demanding essentially to govern the country by fiat and they're not going to succeed. I mean, let's be real. The Trudeau government uh, is not and should not uh, count of these people. These people um, are clearly not representative of, of the majority of the country. And I don't know why they would expect they get to dictate policy to the rest of us. Um, but here we are. So I don't know what happens next. Clearly, Ottawa police are trying to clear out uh, certain sections of this protest so the traffic can resume, so that um, you know, members of parliament can get to the House of Commons. Um, but I don't know where it goes beyond this. Um, there may yet be some conflict between the protesters and the cops. Um, there may yet be an attempt to ticket some of these people. Um, th we know that there's probably some fuel shortages happening already. That may put pressure on them to, to pack up and go home early. Um, but many of them are saying it's going to be weeks, if not months, uh, unless they get their way. A last question for you. You did mention in your article um, about this perhaps being a sign of things to come. Where do you, where do you, what do you think of that right now? Uh, listen, this is probably, uh, I sat and thought about this for a while. This is probably the most organized, largest anti-vax demonstration to happen in the Western world. Certainly there have been big protests, but in terms of organized action you know, with groups behind it, with money behind it, with coordination and and, and, you know, in long-term uh, commitment, this might be the largest, but I think it has clearly awoken something in many other similar movements around the world. I mean, the fact that Donald Trump is out here endorsing these people, the fact that you now have groups uh, from Finland to Australia to the UK and elsewhere uh, expressing solidarity with these folks and, and, and saying that they want to start their own convoy to their capitals really indicative of the fact that uh, a lot of these anti-vax groups have been working sort of in isolation uh, from each other for a long time. And they're seeing the benefits of sort of collective action. And that's a really worrying thing. I mean, we know that in, in basically every Western country, anti-vaxxers are a tiny minority of, of the minority for, for that matter. You know, there are a minority of unvaccinated people uh, and they're a tiny minority of the overall population. If they can convince themselves, if they can convince each other to sort of work together and to, to lead maybe convoys you know, to, to, to Sydney, to, to London, to, to Helsinki, whatever, 
then you might see kind of more broad disruptions uh, in a lot of those countries in a way that we should probably be quite worried about. You know, we need to be working hard to convince that the last holdouts of people to finally go get vaccinated so we can be done with this darn virus. And if there are big movements of people driving to the Capitol saying, no, the vaccine kills and the government's trying to cover it up, that's pretty bad news for our, our vaccine campaign. I mean, you, you've described something fascinating because it really does sound like like a subculture that's found itself online, presumably, and now has seen itself rallied. And just the power of that, as you mentioned, may have... Did you get that sense when you were there that this... Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, these people have their own terminology. You know, the fact that I don't think anyone in the rest of the country would know what a, what a pure blood would be in reference to. They probably think it was a Harry Potter thing. But in fact, it's you know how a lot of unvaccinated people, you know, viscerally anti-vaccine people, talk about themselves when they haven't had the shots, right? They're pure-blooded. Um, you know, these people have their own slogan when they talk about the WEF being behind everything. They're talking about the World Economic Forum, a sort of mm-hmm. arcane body that they think is secretly coordinating uh, the pandemic and, and, and lengthening all these public health measures. These people are in their own little universe. They have some of their own music. Uh, they have all of their own social media kind of platforms. They all follow their their favorite uh, conspiracy YouTuber or Instagram influencer or TikTok, whoever. Um, so they absolutely live in their own information environment. And I do not know how you puncture that bubble and expose them um, uh, to, to do actual facts and science and convince them that in fact, a lot of this stuff is, is legitimate. Um, but I can tell you that, that you know, these folks live in their own world. And again, I, you know, I know there's probably people at home thinking, well, you know, these protesters are more concerned about the mandates. They're not worried about all this. I can't stress to you enough the fact that the people, many, many, many of the people who are out occupying our capital today are not just worried about the mandates. They are living in an alternate reality where there are millions of deaths because of the COVID-19 vaccine. They're living in a world where COVID-19 was designed by Pfizer to juice up pharmaceutical profits. You know, they are living in an alternate reality. And that is what's driving them to, to head to the Capitol and stay there until Justin Trudeau is tried for treason. They are absolutely out to lunch. And we need to call this out. Justin Ling, thank you so much for your time. Very insightful. Thanks for having me.